This episode is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Named the best podcast of 2018 by Apple. Tons of fascinating guests. Untold stories you won't hear anywhere else. Expand your wisdom and discover other perspectives that you've never considered before with The Jordan Harbinger Show. Join Jordan as he interviews high-profile people as well as intriguing personalities. Each episode features a discussion that might just take you anywhere. I recommend episode 970, where Jordan and guest Annie Jacobson talk nuclear annihilation. How likely is it? How scared should you be? And what comes after? There's also episode 886 with David Farina, which delves into the wacky world of flat earthers. These episodes are great starting points, but you're sure to find deep, interesting, and thought-provoking topics throughout Jordan's catalog. Turn off the music and turn up the wisdom with The Jordan Harbinger Show. We really enjoy this show and we think you will as well. There's just so much here. Check out jordanharbinger.com start for some episode recommendations or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R. You stare at the deer in your backyard. Usually the deer that pass through here are a peaceful, beautiful sight. But this deer, its skin is falling off in places. There are strange formations in its mouth that look oddly like fangs. And is that a half-eaten squirrel on the ground in front of it? Welcome back to Unexplained Encounters. I'm your host, Darkness Prevails. This week I'm back with more new not-deer encounters, as well as some backwoods horror stories. Enjoy, and remember to send me your scary stories at darkstories.org. Also, be sure to check out our other awesome shows to satisfy your itch for terror such as Freaky Folklore, where you can explore the lore and history about your favorite monsters and legends, or Redwood Bureau, a fictional anthology series where each episode is a leaked report from a secret organization which researches and contains disturbing creatures and objects. Now, let's begin. Warning. The following story contains depictions of implied violence against pets, Dogman Attacks Home From Synodic I'd like to start by saying I don't really know what I saw those years ago. These events happened sometime in the past, and memories can change. However, some aspects are clearer in my mind than others. I worry that my mind filled in the gaps of the events that happened those years ago. Nevertheless, this is the story of what happened during a winter of my youth. I lived in western Michigan, not too far from Lake Michigan, and in a deeply rural town. Fewer than 2,000 people reside in my hometown, and I lived some 20 minutes away from civilization. While there were few people, there were miles of rolling farmland and untamed forests that surrounded us, giving my father ample room to indulge his favorite hobby of hunting. I was never too interested in hunting myself. I felt it insulting to the majestic deer who lived on our property, and frankly unfair whenever guns were involved. This was just one of the many differences between my father and I. Still, he did his best to involve me in his hobbies. That's how, despite hours of protesting, I was dragged into the woods with him and up a tree after school. Wearing full camo and holding his rifle and binoculars, my father scanned the surrounding woods and fields for any sign of activity. I, on the other hand, was swaddled in a blanket and in a horribly uncomfortable lawn chair, not at all enjoying myself. While I loved the woods, and still do, I just wasn't interested in that evening's activities. I originally started scanning the path which we came from, wondering if I could see our home tucked past all those trees. Son, stop squirming. Everything in the woods can hear you, my father said gruffly. I huffed in annoyance, but listened, opening my book, trying to get comfortable. 
It was later in the year and the afternoon sun quickly turned to dusk. I'd lost track of time and only began to pay attention to my surroundings when I was going to complain to my dad that it was becoming too dark to read. Looking up, I realized he had fallen asleep. I was first filled with annoyance that I'd been brought to these cold, dark woods for my father's entertainment, only to have him fall asleep on me. But then a sudden mischievous curiosity overtook me. Binoculars, a rifle, among other treasures were in front of me. My father's tools, which I was told never to touch, were within arm's length and for the taking. The gun was too intimidating. The binoculars, however, were too tempting to pass up on. These were high-powered and very expensive pieces of equipment, but I snatched them up and turned to see if I could finally see my house with their help. I searched through the countless tree branches and was about to give up when I saw movement. It was low to the ground, some dark brown furred animal that was shaking violently. I couldn't make out many details, and even though I saw antlers, it seemed unlike a deer. Deer were usually pretty calm and very distinguishable. I couldn't begin to guess what I was looking at, though I eventually noticed it was two things. One of them was dead, and another not so much. I quickly guessed that I was looking at two distinct creatures, one a long-dead deer carcass, and some other animal that seemed to be dragging it through the woods. I have a habit of talking too much, and this came to bite me when I muttered, What is that? under my breath. The thing stopped moving suddenly. My heart skipped a beat as I kept looking at it. There's no way that thing had heard me. It was so far away. Yet, I saw those long ears perk up, and it turned to show its face. It was a canine thing. Long snout that tapered into a dark nose, sharp yellowish teeth that jutted out at awkward angles, and the most peculiar eyes. While it seemed to not have hair or have very short hair around its face, the part that stuck out to me were the eyes. They were a deep amber color, unnaturally illuminated in the low light, and they seemed too aware to belong to an animal. Even though I had absolutely no idea what I was looking at, it deeply unsettled me. Some voice in my head, even as a child, screamed that this was not natural, and yet, I was transfixed. I kept staring at it. Eventually, the creature stood still. Then it turned to look up. I locked eyes, or binoculars, with this thing. It cocked its head slightly, and I was mesmerized by its cold gaze. With an unnatural grace, the hunched figure began to unfold itself, and I watched with disbelief as this canine entity began to stand on two feet. It was very tall, though how tall exactly, I couldn't say. It was thin, too. It looked emaciated, as I remember seeing rib bones through a thin-haired patch on its sides. The legs were bent at an awkward angle, and given how the creature hunched and held onto a tree trunk, I guessed that while it could stand up, it was one of the many unnatural aspects of the creature. I remember it was strange, and I dare to say it had hands. The paws were unnaturally shaped with these spindly fingers that jutted out and ended with long claws. The worst part of the whole event was just the sense of understanding. I had a primal feeling that this creature knew I was up in the trees looking at it, that it understood completely what was going on, and that it and I both knew it could come get me whenever it wanted. This sense of overwhelming dread eventually led my shaking hands to drop my father's binoculars. The sharp noise shook the quiet woods as the glass of the binocular frames broke below. That one sound seemed to set off a chain reaction. I began to violently shake and started shouting for my dad to wake up. Dad, dad, something's out there. We need to go home. I begged. To his credit, he quickly woke up and took control of the situation. I explained what I saw and pointed to the general direction it was in. 
He reached for his binoculars, and I sheepishly motioned to the ground. Sorry. He scoffed and looked down the hill that happened to lead towards our home. The seconds dragged by slowly until he finally looked down at me. It must have been a coyote. Whatever it was, it isn't there now. Dad, it wasn't a coyote. I saw it. You spooked yourself and nothing more, he said, cutting me off. He looked around the surrounding woods and rubbed some of the sleep out of his eyes. Look, it's been long enough. Let's head back. Mom must be worried sick. Dad, what if it's still out there? I demanded, stepping away from the trap door that led towards the exit and the dangerous woods. Just stop. Nothing's going to hurt you. Besides, I'll keep you safe, he said, motioning to his rifle. Now, let's get home. There was no more pleading I could do, so I begrudgingly gave in. He went down the ladder first, and I quickly followed. I saw him shake his head when he saw the binoculars, and he picked up his ruined gear, beginning the walk back home. For me, it was an excruciating walk, and though my father tried making small talk, I was too worried. I scanned the trees and jumped at every sound. Thankfully, nothing stopped us, and we made it home safely. My father explained the events to my mother, and they both teased me for having an overactive imagination. I said nothing, and just thought over the brief encounter. Over the few weeks that went by between the first encounter and my second, I began to believe that I was just seeing things. My father never saw evidence of anything when he went on various other hunts, and I pushed the thoughts away. Eventually, I forgot about the incident, although its eyes always bothered me. Even after the fact, they always felt a little too human. Some weeks later, however, I would get another encounter with this thing, and that encounter would permanently change how I saw the previous events and the world around me. It was nearing Christmas, and we were no longer in school. My father was begrudgingly taking time from work to be with the family, and all was well. I remember that night it was particularly bright out, and sometime after dinner, our dogs began to act strange. We had a basset hound and a lab mix at the time, and both began to circle the outermost edges of the home, occasionally whining. At first, we thought it was a bit odd, but still charming seeing them gazing out the window, one a head taller than the other. After a couple of hours of this behavior, it went from cute to concerning. My mom and dad debated calling a vet, but eventually they ruled that it could wait until the morning. My father, the avid hunter, was excited to see if there was maybe a stray animal outside, so he took his rifle with him when he took the dogs outside to use the bathroom. I remember hearing some commotion, but I was honestly too engrossed in whatever video game I was playing at the time to care. Eventually, my father returned with our lab mix, Millie, but our basset, Walter, was nowhere to be found. This wasn't too unusual. The dogs had plenty of space to roam out here and would sometimes run off for hours. Their earlier behavior seemed to trouble my dad. Mills never left my side, he said, pointing to our lab. Walter just bolted, though. My mother and father tried calling for our missing dog, but to no avail. And eventually, we started to get ready for bed. It wasn't too cold just yet, and they figured he'd turn up sometime soon. Millie, however, became increasingly nervous. She continued to patrol the paths she was walking earlier in the day, though now she quickly crossed from window to window, as if trying to see everything at once. She wouldn't stop, and eventually my parents put her in their room, and we parted ways for the night. My room faced the dirt drive that eventually met with the road, and as such our porch was outside it. There were large windows in my room, and thick drapes that managed to keep the porch light out. Yet, you could see if something, usually bugs, passed underneath the lights. So as I settled into bed, I remember hearing strange sounds, like howling out in the distance that reminded me of the yowling noises coyotes would make. Still, it was fairly standard for Michigan nights. However, Molly began making this awful whining noise, 
It was so loud, I could hear it from my parents' bedroom on the other side of the house. Even though she eventually went silent, I went to check up on her and my parents, now worried for my dog. I don't remember what we talked about, but some time passed in my parents' room, and my mother led me back to my bed. I was watching the ground, very nearly asleep, while my mom prattled about this or that, until she suddenly stopped. Her hand gripped my shoulder tightly, and I looked up to ask her what was wrong. She just kept staring at the window. My window. Through the thick drapes, I could see a figure standing on our porch. It seemed to be trying to hide itself, tucked in the corner of the porch. Yet its silhouette was plain for us to see. For a moment, it just stood there, until it seemed to lurch forward from a standing position to a crawl as it moved out of the window's borders. I immediately remembered that thing in the woods. I began to speak, but my mother shushed me with a finger to her mouth. She dragged me back to my parents' room. Lee, something is outside of Keith's room, she said, voice clipped and still holding onto my shoulder. What? Something or someone is outside Keith's room, she repeated. My father, who was originally smiling as if we were playing a prank on him, immediately sensed how serious she was. He nodded and went for the door. Dial 911, but don't call unless something happens, he said. I'm going to check it out. Then he quickly left the room. We just stood there. My mom finally let go of me and patted her pockets. Dang it, I left my phone out in the kitchen, she said, her voice shaking. I was really young and didn't know what to do. I just stood there in the center of my parents' room waiting. You could hear my father slowly making his way through the house and the creak of what I assumed to be the gun cabinet opening. After what felt like ages, he finally came back, slowly opening the door. Susan, I don't see anything. He began when suddenly a booming, shaking sound filled the house. It sounded like something was trying to rip open our front door. These loud and irregular beating sounds filled the room, and my mom took me towards the floor with her. My father began to shout, I've got a gun! This is private property! But the banging didn't stop. It seemed to get almost more frequent. My mom was shaking while she held me. My father looked down. Susan, call the cops! I left my phone in the other room, she said, panic in her voice. My father cursed and flung the door open. Our home was an open floor plan, so I could see the front door from my parents' room. There was a large figure standing on the other side of the glass, its massive bulk nearly filling the entire upper window on the door. Our firewood stove was near the front door, so the light from it and our porch light behind it helped keep the figure in darkness. My father marched towards the door, raising his gun. My mother suddenly ran into the kitchen and got her phone. I stood there alone in the room. I heard my mother frantically calling 911 while my dad approached the door and eventually fired. Even through the bashing at the front door and the shrill cries of my mother, the gunshot echoed in the house. There was a loud groaning noise from the other side of the door, then the figure quickly left. I stood frozen just watching the whole event unfold. Susan, let's get in the basement and wait for the cops there. My dad yelled, keeping his eyes on the front door. I heard my mother giving our address and saw her walk towards me. She grabbed me by the elbow and looked past me towards the back of the bedroom and the windows. I remember her screaming in my ear and dragging us towards the basement. I never got to see what it was that made her scream. As we raced down the stairs, my mother shakily finished her conversation with the operator. There are bears outside, please send help. They're trying to get in. I remember my mother and I huddled in a corner, and my father keeping a trained eye and his rifle pointed at the door to the basement. The rest seems a blur. In hindsight, I don't handle stress very well. I just remember sitting there with my family for quite some time until eventually the police came. 
They spoke with my mother and father, and my father walked with them outside. I wasn't allowed to go with them out of the house, but the next day, I remember seeing the damage to the door. There were these long gash marks all across the wood, and it seemed to be bowed in a strange way. My father thinks we're lucky. The heat from the wood stove warped the frame of the door so much that we hadn't been able to open it in years. We always used the back door. The police agreed that something that determined probably would have made its way inside had it not been for the extra support. They never found anything outside that night. They made comments about strange markings on the ground, but snow began to fall. I remember walking around the house the next day. Our family friends were there seeing the damage. I only heard snippets of the conversation between my parents and their friends. Bear was brought up frequently, though no one could agree. Walter, our basset hound, was considered missing for a couple of weeks. Eventually, said family friends found him. I was told he drowned, and they wouldn't say anything else on the matter. To this day, I don't know what really happened. I asked my mother about the event years later, and only got a grim smile and some deflecting conversation. I know she would rather put everything behind us and pretend it could never happen. Sometimes, I wish I could too. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Cordejo, Black Shuck, or Demon From Devil Dog 4200 When I was roughly six or seven years old, up until I was nine, my family lived in a single-wide 1940s model trailer in the boonies. The trailer had an open five-acre yard with southeast Georgia woods surrounding it. Every day after school, my brother and I would spend the day until dark playing outside with toy guns or bicycles. We mostly stayed out of trouble as long as we weren't in the house during the day and back inside before dark. The first experience I can remember clear enough to recall, I had just gotten out of the shower. I'm 23 now and I believe I was 7 back then, but my memory is hazy. When I opened the shower curtain, I saw a blur rush by the doorway of the bathroom into my parents' room. I just brushed it off as our dog, since it was lower to the ground. But when I left the bathroom and turned toward my room, it felt as though something rushed close up behind me. When I turned around, there was nothing there. Skip ahead to the winter of that year. Things began to progress. At various times, I would get the feeling of being watched, or I would hear unintelligible whispers. My sister felt it as well. These small occurrences went on for a few months. From there, it began to rapidly get worse. One day during summer, it all changed from small whispers and feelings to full apparitions and poltergeist activity. For most of the day, nothing much happened until after dark. I just got my shower. Funny how these things repeat. Instead of a blur by the door, 
There was a loud bang on the wall from my parents' room. I assumed maybe something fell, so I got dressed and started to leave the room. As I turned into the hall with my back turned to my parents' room, I heard a deep, slow inhale. Almost like someone was breathing in a really good smelling candle. It stopped me in my tracks and I didn't dare move. The next thing I heard sent me sprinting to my mother in the living room in sheer panic. A deep voice groaned. The young, the tender. The following night, I was lying in bed trying to sleep when the usual whispers began. Only this time, there were way more than just a couple of voices. I opened my eyes and there were these humanoid shadows just kind of floating all over the walls and ceiling. They didn't emanate any bad feelings, but rather a feeling of safety and comfort. I watched these strange shadow figures for at least an hour before they faded away. Once the last one was gone, the atmosphere around immediately changed. It became difficult to breathe. The air seemed to breed fear, and unease filled the room. I heard shuffling coming from my parents' room. It was like a combination of claws from a dog's paws on a hardwood floor and goat hooves. As these sounds started to make their way down the hall, I completely covered myself under my blankets up to my eyes. These footsteps continued up to my doorway, then abruptly stopped. For seconds that felt like hours, there was dead silence until I heard that familiar deep inhale. My entire body was petrified. I couldn't move. I couldn't scream. I could do nothing. After a few moments of listening to this thing's breathing, I noticed the shadow figures began to appear, but they all had white circles where the eyes should have been. As I watched the figures, I noticed movement outside the doorway. When I looked, there was a canine head moving down the hall. It stopped halfway past my doorway and lingered there. This thing was mostly canine looking, almost like solid black Doberman, only its head, while on all fours, reached the light switch. I now know that light switch was a little over four feet off the ground. On its head were a pair of horns like a mountain goat or ram curling back behind its ears and ending at its jawline. The beast suddenly turned, stood up on its hind legs leaning towards my room and stared at me with eyes like embers in a fire. As it started to lean into my room, I could hear its breathing quicken and I could see its maw start dripping with drool. Once it breached the threshold of my room, the shadow figures began to gather closer around the beast. This seemed to anger it, and it backed off, remaining in the hallway just staring at me. That thing and the shadow figures remained until the sun began to shine through the trees outside. This would happen every night around the same time. The thing would never physically attack me, and eventually I grew to believe it couldn't. We moved out of that trailer in December of 2009. A couple of months before that, I learned that it could in fact touch me if it wanted to. I was sitting in my parents' room while my mom was folding and putting away my dad's laundry. I had an old carry-around CD player with my earbuds in listening to Three Days Grace. Once my mom finished, she went to my grandparents' house for something that I can't remember. I remained there, sitting on the edge of my parents' bed, jamming to my music. I noticed it felt as if the mattress behind me was sinking down and going back up. Being used to things like this happening, I ignored it. The movement behind me continued, until it was on either side of me. Suddenly, I felt a breath on the top of my head as my CD player was ripped from my hands and smashed on the floor. Before I could react, I heard a deep, guttural growl. Then, I was pushed hard into the wall towards the doorway. To clarify any confusion on the doorway and why we didn't close the doors, it was because there were no rooms inside the trailer with the door. I rushed outside and waited for my mom to get back, shaking and pouring tears. She figured whatever I was listening to had scared me, and that I had tripped and smashed my CD player. That maybe I heard the growl because I scared the dog. 
even though he was outside when this incident occurred. Later that night, she found deep scratches in my back and assumed it was the dog. Unfortunately, they refused to believe me, so my dad got rid of the dog when he came home. Once we moved out, all of these occurrences abruptly halted, save for some whispers and things being moved, but nothing more than that. I never saw the entities again. However, when you walked by the trailer as it was on my grandparents' property, you could sometimes make out a canine figure through one of the windows or hear strange sounds from inside, but I never saw it outside the trailer. Since then, I've served a four-year term in the Marines. When I got out and returned home, I learned that my family tore down and buried the old trailer. Every now and then, I or my brother have noticed or glimpsed that same figure stalking the tree line or following us on the property from a distance, as if biding its time, looking for the opportune moment to make its move. I've never been able to find out what this thing or the shadow figures were. My brother claims it looks like how some cadejos are described, but I haven't found any with horns, and I believe they followed tired travelers. I lean towards a black shuck or demonic entity. As far as the shadow figures, I have no clue. If any of you know anything about these things, or can find anything out about them, don't hesitate to let me know. Torment from Airborne Sapper What I'm about to tell you still chills me to my core to this very day. I am a soldier in the United States Army, and I am from Eustace, Maine. I've had a few creepy and just eerie encounters with an unknown creature. It started back in 2014, when I was a freshman in high school. It was a cold October night. My older brother Richie and I had just left the local haunted hayride at a campground near our house. We were walking back at 9pm at night. And mind you, we live on top of a ridge about a mile and a half from where we were at the moment. After walking for a little while, we reached our road. It was hard to miss. It sat next to a chapel and two graveyards. The road itself was tar and turned to dirt at the top of the ridge. There were no lights on this road except the bright moonlight. We crossed the road and began our long trek up the ridge. Personally, I enjoy nature. It's very comforting to me, listening to the birds and the squirrels and the music of wildlife. But that night was different. We were about halfway up the hill when everything just went dead quiet. A large chill ran up my spine and the hair on my arms and neck stood up on end. Richie, on the other hand, wasn't really bothered by it. I don't know if it was bravery or stupidity. I kept walking until I heard a large branch in the surrounding woods snap. I can still hear it to this day. When I heard it, I jumped a little bit, but I couldn't see much of anything. There was just this all-consuming void of darkness looking back at me, as if it was going to swallow me up. As my brother and I pressed on, I couldn't help but notice that it sounded like something was keeping pace with us in the woods. I didn't dare stop. I knew Richie wasn't going to. He didn't really care about me, him being the older brother. When we got to the dirt portion, I couldn't hear anything anymore. Whatever it was seemed to be gone, and my brother and I finally made it home. My next encounter didn't happen until three years later, around late December in 2017. Richie, our friend Johnny, and I had just finished a fire department meeting. It was around 10.45 at night, and we decided to drive down to the lake. We were joking around, having fun. Those two were smoking cigarettes. Then we all started making noises, intending them to be Bigfoot mating calls just to have fun. But then out of nowhere, something just came crashing through the woods towards us. Johnny threw me in the back seat of the truck and my brother got in the driver's seat. We peeled out of there as fast as we could without crashing the truck. My final encounter didn't happen until mid-November of 2018 during deer season. Every time I talk about this one, I still tear up. I had just left my house. It was high noon and I was armed with a 30-30 lever-action rifle and a knife on my hip. 
I walked up behind my neighbor's house on an ATV trail. Around this time, it's usually dead quiet, as the woods are just full of hunters. I was tracking down a pair of deer. I was close behind as the prints were still fresh in the mud. I followed them up behind my neighbor's hunting cabin. Eventually, I came up to a big holler, and I caught sight of the pack. There was no wind, no noise, nothing at all. I'd gotten a good vantage point behind a tall birch to look at the deer. Then all of them froze and looked up in the direction where I just came from, and they took off like something had them. I looked over where they were looking before, but the forest was too thick for me to see much of anything. I was about to continue tracking when I heard something that was scarred right into my memory. I heard this terrible scream. It didn't sound human, but it was certainly big. It sounded at least 70 meters away. I was shaken, and I tried to get out of there as quiet and quick as I could. Not 30 seconds later, I heard the scream again, but it was much closer. Too close for comfort. So I said screw it, and I took off as fast as I could. There was a dirt road about 50 meters away that led back to my house. So I got to it, and I didn't stop until I got back to my house. I didn't hear it behind me giving chase or anything. I think it just wanted me out of there. After that, I never went to that spot again. I spoke of the encounter to my mother. She said it was probably just a deer or something. It's 2022 now, and just a couple of weeks ago, I talked about it with my wife. She believed it could be a skinwalker or a wendigo. I think it could be a wendigo. I live on Native American lands. To this day, I research cryptids in hopes that I'll find what it is and how to kill it. Morbidly Curious of Not Deer From Medics It's been a long time since I've had anything eventful like this happen in my life. I suppose it's only natural for life to throw another random occurrence that sends me into a riding fit. Last month before the new year, I had the privilege of finally graduating college. Because of the current state of the world, our ceremony was brief and mostly closed off to the public, with the exception of two guests per graduate. I decided to forego inviting guests and just celebrated my graduation with family when I got home. The campus of our college was built in what best could be described as the middle of nowhere. With the intention to gradually expand over time, the current state of the campus was pretty exposed to the natural land. Tall trees and wildlife surrounded most of the campus. I always enjoyed looking out the window into the forest whenever my classes dragged on a little longer than my attention span. Because of the compact and in-progress construction, parking was always chaos. Having afternoon classes meant you had to have luck on your side if you wanted a space in the properly paved lot closer to the campus. Unfortunately, since most of my classes took place in the late afternoon, I lost any hope of getting a good parking spot a while ago. So when it came to parking for graduation, I didn't see a point in even attempting to park in the paved lot. The commencement was short and pretty intimate, addressing the students and their guests for their accomplishment of still getting an education and fighting against all odds with the state of things. By the time the ceremony had wrapped up, the sun had begun to set. With the tree cover all around, the campus got dark really fast. I held back a bit to avoid the dispersing crowd and to just admire the campus one last time. The campus streetlights had just started to turn on when I was making my way to the two parking lots. There were a few remaining graduates that had yet to leave, but the unpaved parking lot was almost completely empty. My car rested a large distance away with no floodlights to grant coverage. Walking in a dark parking lot was probably the last thing I wanted to do that night, but I was still coming down from the emotional high of experiencing graduation. I was about halfway into the dirt lot when I saw something walk around from the other side of my car. I stopped dead in my tracks since the sudden unexpected movement startled me. Thankfully, by this time, my eyes had started to adjust to the darkness. 
What came around my car was a young, moderately sized deer. It wasn't uncommon for a stray deer to wander onto the campus, and with the dirt lot, deer sightings were even more frequent. I stood there for a few minutes, locked in a staring match with this deer. I didn't want to move too quickly and risk getting a hoof beat down or having to deal with driving out of the lot while hoping not to hit the little guy. So I went with the more drastic option to try and scare it away. I hit the car alarm, thinking that the flashing lights and blaring sound would send the deer running back into the forest. I was pretty confused, though. It didn't really react at all to the alarm. Was it deaf? Is that why it wasn't freaked out? After a few more seconds of my car alarm going off, I had resolved to shut it off and see if approaching the deer would scare it. As I approached the deer, I had started to tilt my head in curiosity as it seemed to almost be frozen in place, with what I assumed to be fear. I was so confused as to why this deer wasn't moving. I had stopped just a few feet away from the deer and my car, as I contemplated on what to do. I wasn't used to dealing with wild animals, and with it nearly being pitch black outside, I really didn't want to be there anymore. I wanted to go home, cute deer or not. I was tired of being in the dark. I started to lose focus, and I started to stare at my car and my train of thought. Just as I began to mentally lose my patience, I heard a popping noise. When I turned back to the deer, it had begun to rock its head back and forth. Each time the small popping noise could be heard. At first, I didn't think much of it, until its head rocked so far that it twisted upside down. I panicked, because I honestly thought... I just saw the thing break its own neck. However, it wasn't falling over. It wasn't staggering. It was just standing there. I know I probably should have been freaking out, but my morbid curiosity had me too stunned to move from where I was standing. Thankfully, my senses began to kick back in once I began to hear the noise it was making. The noise was deep and raspy, kind of like a strained elk call that was pitched down five octaves. Heck no, I said, as I unlocked my car door and jumped inside. I had just slammed the door shut as this supposed deer ran up to the window. It was still making that noise as I started my car. It was at this moment I was so thankful that the parking lot was unpaved. There were no sidewalks, no parking barriers, just clear dirt land to drive through. I floored my car out of the parking lot. When I looked in my mirror, I saw the thing running after my car, chasing me. I continued to see it in my mirrors until I finally made it to paved roads and less vegetation. I got home and I made myself a drink. I am an anxious and nervous person, but this experience didn't freak me out all that much. I suppose it's because I actually saw the possible threat this time. The event lingered in my mind as I had dinner and played games with my family. However, I didn't have a hard time sleeping. I live in a suburban area with little to no forest or wildlife around, so I didn't really find myself panicking about running into it again. I am, however, curious how I could have encountered what I did. I know the stories and legends, but I always imagined that it would be impossible to run into one where I live. I do wish I was able to look at it again, just to observe it more. I know how lucky I am that I escaped without being harmed. I can only assume the reason why is because it was young. The not deer never got bigger, and even when it ran, my car left it in the dust. I guess I'm lucky that my morbid curiosity didn't get me killed on my graduation night. It was not a deer. From Anonymous. To start this story off, this occurred back when I was in college in 2003. I've been hesitant to share this story in fear of being called crazy. Nobody in my family and none of my friends have ever heard the true story behind this encounter. It was my junior year of college and I remember it being an uneventful Friday night as most of my friends had gone home for the weekend. I tended to stay on campus as it was four hours away from home. 
Anyway, I decided that I didn't want to just sit around all night, so I figured I'd go for a drive. My college was in a medium-sized town with lots of surrounding forests, which made it perfect for a nature lover like myself. I took off around 10pm to go for a ride on my favorite road, just outside of town, which was basically a winding road that went over a large mountain. The views on this road were breathtaking during the fall. It takes about an hour to get from one side of the mountain to the other. Yes, it's a seriously large mountain. I went up to the top without any extraordinary events, got out at my favorite lookout to snap a few pictures with a disposable camera that I had in my car, and when I began to make my descent down the other side of the mountain, that's when things went from zero to 100 very fast. About two miles down the road, a deer ran out in front of me very quickly, and I hit it. This was no ordinary deer impact. When I hit that deer, it made a loud metallic bang. It sounded like I'd hit another vehicle, not some wild animal. And it's not like I was in a small car either. I was driving a 1997 Dodge Ram, which is a pretty sizable vehicle. I got out to assess the damage, and my entire engine bay was collapsed. The airbags had deployed as well, but thankfully I was okay, other than a few bruises. It took me a few moments to process how an ordinary deer could have done so much damage. That was when I heard the deer that I'd flung into the ditch begin to get up. I would have assumed with an impact like that, I would have killed the poor thing. I turned in slight panic to see this deer and all the color drained from my body. This wasn't a deer. At least it wasn't a real deer. Half of its face had skin missing, with what appeared to be metal underneath, and one of its eyes were now glowing a yellowish color. Parts of its body had skin missing too, and it was almost as if it was an animatronic. At that point, I thought I was going completely insane. How could this even be illustrated right in front of me at this very moment? The weirdest part is, this robotic deer thing just gets up silently turns and begins to walk away with these shuddering movements, trying to act like a normal deer walking, but instead it was shaking like a damaged robot. After that, I called a tow truck as well as the police to report my totaled vehicle. The police showed up to make sure I wasn't intoxicated. They asked what on earth I'd hit, and all I could say was, a very, very large deer. I felt as if I couldn't tell the truth, because telling them I just hit a Terminator deer would not have helped my plea to ensure them that I was sober and aware during this incident. After this, though, I have absolutely no logical explanation for that deer. I am not a believer of things outside of the ordinary, by any means, but this experience may have just changed my mind. The only rational explanation I can think of is that what I hit was a government prop that monitors deer poaching or something of the sort. But that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, being the state of technology back in 2003. Well, just be careful out there, folks. There are many things that can come across as simple animals, but they may be an entirely different entity. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Dear Men from Adball 01 I didn't think things like skinwalkers were real until the other night. I was staying after school one night for a basketball game. After it was over, I had to walk over to the elementary school nearby and wait for my dad. Since time had fallen back, it had been messing with my schedule a lot. So when the game was over, it was already dark. And me, being an idiot, I didn't bring a jacket, because it had been warm when I left for school that morning, 
I was told as a child to always be aware of my surroundings, and as I was walking home that night, I felt like someone was watching me. I turned around and no one was behind me, but somehow I still felt someone's eyes on me. Then I saw the shadow of a man behind a bush. I booked it. I'd never run so fast in my life. I ran fast enough I was able to jump over a fence that blocked the front of the elementary school. After I caught my breath, I walked to the front of the school and waited by the bike holder. As I waited for my dad, freezing my butt off, I turned around to make sure nothing was behind me. And when I did, what I saw were two deer. I remembered that if I was in a buck's territory, he would come charging at me, so I put some space between me and the deer. We sat there, just staring at each other. The deer began to move around, and I watched closely. One of the deer seemed to be limping. I decided to either help it or possibly put it out of its misery. I began to walk in the direction the deer were in. When I came within seven feet of them, I stopped. I was frozen, terrified. These deer were not deer, they didn't look exactly like deer should. They may have had a head like a deer, but their skin and fur, it seemed to be in pieces, like they had been stitched together. It had patches of fur missing, revealing human skin. I stood there too scared to move, too scared to speak, but I wasn't ready for what happened after that. Because both of these deer began to stand on their hind legs, and they gave chase to me. Finally, I came back to my senses, and I ran for the front gate. My guts and my brain were arguing. Should I keep running and not look behind me, or keep running and take a look? I decided to take a look, and I wish I hadn't. The deer were running after me like people. I screamed so loud that, apparently, my dad had heard me five blocks away. I ran and ran until I got home. I didn't wait for my dad. I couldn't wait. I locked myself in my room and got underneath five blankets and cried. My parents were asking what was wrong, why I was acting like this. But I just couldn't explain what I saw. Even if I did, I was sure they wouldn't believe me. I'm still traumatized. It's hard to explain what I saw, but this is the best way I can put it. I have to walk with a group of people now to feel safe walking home. If anyone can explain what it was I saw, feel free to let me know. I've looked up pictures of Wendigo and Skinwalkers, but none of them do it justice. None of it compares to the horrible dear men I saw that night. Orange Eyes in the Woods From Anonymous I work security in a small town near Chattanooga, Tennessee. The area around where I work is wooded. It's not heavily wooded, but it is wooded enough for deer, foxes, coyotes, and even the occasional wolf. A few months ago, as I was on patrol in the company truck, I was doing a U-turn at a T intersection, but then I saw something. Sitting in the forest facing me on the road, was this figure. I couldn't make out what it was exactly, but I saw these large, reflective orange eyes. Seeing those eyes filled me with fear, and I just sped back to my office. A few weeks later in the same area that I saw those orange eyes, I spotted them again. This time, they were rapidly moving through tall grass. From what I understand, orange eyes normally mean a predator, while green eyes mean a prey animal, like a deer or cow. So I was not about to stick around to see what was stalking me. Now on to the most recent encounter. I was at that same T intersection. I had heard an odd sound, so I began to shine my searchlight around. The noise was kind of like a deer call mixed with what I would describe as a warbling call. Well, I shone the light into the forest and I found four sets of green eyes and one set of orange. At first, I thought it was a fox hanging out among some deer for some reason, 
Then it shifted a bit, and I got a better look. What I was looking at had a deer's body, but its head was all wrong. It had a long, triangular muzzle, with cheeks that came out like a fox's, and it had long, triangular deers that sat atop its head. This thing stared at me as I was motionless, and I stared back. Finally, one of the real deer moved, and the herd began to walk with this thing in the middle. What's strangest of all is the other times it startled me and scared me so I would leave, but I didn't leave this time. Because this time I felt a kind of calmness wash over me as we looked at each other. That was the most unnerving part to me. Does anyone have any idea what something like this might be, or have you heard or seen something similar? Something Else in the Woods From 18 and Dog Years I live in Virginia, at a place known as Camp Peary. It has a very colorful history, to say the least. It has a church that dates back all the way to the Civil War, and that's where this happened. It was my Christmas break, and I was having a slumber party with friends. Only one of these friends is important to the story. Let's call him John. We were a group of people that loved to be outdoors a lot. We were camping every other weekend, and that weekend was no different. We were outside the same hole that I dug from a previous story. We were foolishly planning to stay up until around 2am, playing airsoft in the woods, which I don't see why that was a good idea now. I had all black clothing on, and I was almost invisible in the dark forest. John and I laid out a plan to ambush the other people. We hid around the church, inside a brick enclosure, carefully avoiding any graves. The plan was in motion, and we could hear what we thought to be the other players moving through the area. Of course, we couldn't see them, but they were not taking any precautions in terms of noise. We sat there for about five minutes longer, but then we realized something. These footfalls we were hearing were heavy, and I mean really heavy. We could feel the ground sort of vibrate with every step. We also realized that it was getting closer, we were planning to move away across the street, but not five seconds after the thought, something emerged from the woods. The first thing I noticed was the stench that filled the air. It smelled of dead leaves and rotting fish. I actually gagged as the smell only got stronger as whatever it was came closer to us. Honestly, I thought the smell was the worst part, until I saw its face. It appeared to be a deer. Well, it might have been a deer at one time. Its head looked like a buck, but the skin was just like a blanket falling off of its skeleton. Its ghostly gray frame was all too skinny, and its limbs looked horribly broken. It shouldn't have been able to walk at all. I held back a yelp, not knowing what it could do to me if I gave myself away. But John didn't hold back his scream. He let it out. I snapped my head around to look at him, and as soon as I did, the thing peeked over the wall. There was silence for a split second. Then the creature screamed. It didn't sound like a deer at all. It was like nails on a chalkboard mixed with a scream, mixed with a screeching cat. It was a sound no animal on earth should be able to make. We wasted no time running firing blindly with the little effect our airsoft guns would have, trying to slow it down. Luckily, John's house wasn't far away from us, and we were able to make it back inside. Once there, our hearts were pounding. We slammed the door shut and barricaded it. It didn't matter what his parents would say in the morning, only that we weren't letting that thing in. We all slept in John's room that night, or rather, everyone else did. I stayed awake thinking about what the heck that thing was. Sadly, I never did sleep over there again, and I don't plan to. Always listen to your surroundings. You can save yourself from being in a situation like this if you get out before it comes. Stay safe, everyone.
Warning. The following story contains detailed depictions of animal corpses. Couldn't sleep. From Mossberg. I live in the Ozarks of Missouri. My home is surrounded by woods, and while I do have neighbors, the nearest one is about two miles out. Luckily, this does give me a lot of privacy, and as someone who suffers from insomnia, going for nighttime walks are peaceful, and they really do help me quite a bit. One night in the spring of 2018, I had trouble sleeping. I had been tossing and turning for about four hours before I gave up and decided to go for a walk. By then, it was about 2.20 a.m. Throwing on some sweatpants and boots, I walked outside. The temperature was perfect, not too cold and not too hot, but it was extremely humid out. I walked down the usual trail, which begins at the woods at the edge of my property. This trail is an old ATV trail, not one I created. It was already here when I moved in about a decade before this, but it was my go-to spot for nighttime walks. The trees there weren't too tall and thick that they blocked out the moonlight, so when the moon and stars were bright, like that night, I was able to see decently well without a flashlight. Usually I'd walk for about 20 minutes, which would bring me to a small pond in the woods. Then I'd circle back. I'd honestly never explored the entire trail, so I wasn't completely sure where I would end up if I followed through the whole thing. Anyway, a while later, I soon made it to the pond, but I saw that I wasn't alone. As I approached this pond, I saw from a distance at first what appeared to be a deer. I figured it was stopping for a drink, so I slowed down, trying not to scare it. But as I drew closer, steadily, I saw that the deer was not drinking at all. It was just standing there, staring in my direction. I thought maybe I'd spooked it by accident, that maybe it had heard me from far away already. I kept approaching, trying to be calm and quiet about it, and the deer kept watching me. When I was maybe 15 yards away from it, the deer turned its head towards the water, and I saw something messed up. Its lower jaw was gone. What looked to be its tongue was just dangling out of its throat. Immediately I thought, oh my god, poor thing, and I stopped right in my tracks. I watched as the deer then bent down and began to rub its dangling tongue in an effort to lick something that lay at the edge of the pond. I wanted to gag. What it was trying to lick was another deer, specifically the unattached head of a different deer. Then I saw beyond it, there were things floating in the water. I kid you not, dozens of dead deer lay in the water. They even looked fresh, as if they had just died there. However, not one of the bodies was intact. All of them had been torn apart and tossed about. Something compelled me to get closer. I couldn't believe what I was seeing, so I had to be sure, I guess. The living deer kept licking the meat of the head on the ground, and as I drew closer, staring at the water, the still-living deer lunged at me and made this weird hissing sound. I jumped back, but now that I was close enough, I got a better look at the still-living deer. The thing was covered in strange bite marks. Its upper jaw that was still attached to its body had teeth far too sharp to be normal for a deer. The teeth looked quite similar in shape and structure to the bite marks on the deer's body. When I looked back at the floating viscera in the water, the dead deer parts were also covered in the same type of wound. Then I looked at the head on the ground. Coming from its intact mouth were the same sharp sort of teeth. I thought this couldn't be real. Deer do not have teeth like a lion or other carnivore, and they most certainly do not attack, dismember, and eat each other. Slowly, I backed away down the trail, going backwards, keeping an eye on the still-living deer. Once it stopped hissing and looking at me, it began to enjoy its odd meal again. Finally, I turned, and I ran down the trail back home. That night, I didn't sleep, partly due to confusion and fear, but mostly due to insomnia. When the sun came up, I walked down the trail again, armed with my rifle. The deer wasn't there, and the pond was clear of animal meat. 
Where it had all gone, I do not know. But what I do know is that I found the lower jaw of a deer not too far away from that pond. The only evidence that what I saw last night was not just a nightmare. With that, we're at the end of this week's episode of Unexplained Encounters. Don't worry, I'll be back soon with more scary stories for you to enjoy. If you don't like to wait, subscribe to Darkness Prevails on YouTube to catch new stories sooner. If you want to hear me read your story, send it to me at darkstories.org. Before I go, help us spread the word and reach new listeners. Just share this podcast with your friends and family, follow us on Spotify, and or review us on iTunes. Thank you. Until next time, everyone. Remember, this world is a strange one. So stay safe out there and stay creepy.